Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. second quarter 2020 earnings conference call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. Please note this event is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Ron Bielabreski, Director of Finance. Please go ahead. Welcome and thank you for joining us this morning. Our results for the three and six months ended June 30th, 2020, were issued by press release yesterday afternoon and are available on our website, www.atlanticpower.com and on Edgar and CDAR. Management's prepared remarks and the accompanying presentation for today's call and webcast can be found in the conference call section of our website. A replay of today's webcast will be available on our website for a period of one year. Financial figures that we will be presenting are stated in U.S. dollars and are approximate unless otherwise noted. Please be advised that this conference call and presentation will contain forward-looking statements. As discussed in the company's safe harbor statement on page two of today's presentation, these statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties that are more fully described in our various securities filings. Actual results may differ materially from such forward-looking statements. In addition, the financial results in the press release and the presentation include both GAAP and non-GAAP measures, including project-adjusted EBITDA. For reconciliations of this measure to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measure, to the extent that they are available without unreasonable effort. Please refer to the press release, the appendix of today's presentation, our annual report on Form 10-K, or our quarterly report on Form 10-Q, all of which are available on our website. Now I'll turn the call over to Jim Moore, President and CEO of Atlantic Power. Thank you, Ron. Welcome, everyone. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. With me on the call this morning are Terry Ronan, our CFO, Joe Cofelici, our EVP Commercial Development, Nick Galati, our SVP Operations, and several other members of the Atlantic Power Management team. The results for the second quarter are provided in the press release, the presentation, and the prepared remarks, which are all posted on our website last evening. Please review those materials. I will cover the key points this morning and then expand a bit on our free cash flow outlook, outlook and thoughts on capital allocation. Following my remarks, we'll take your questions. We had a solid quarter of financial results, although project-adjusted EBITDA was modestly below internal expectations for the quarter. Our results for the six months keep us on track to achieve our 2020 guidance for project-adjusted EBITDA. We continue to meaningfully repay debt. Year-to-date, we've repaid $37 million of consolidated debt using our strong operating cash flow from existing businesses. 
Our leverage ratio is 3.8 times at June 30, 2020, or 3.6 times net of cash. We expect to repay another $39 million of consolidated debt in the second half of the year. We had a very strong first half in terms of capital allocation. We significantly accelerated our return of capital to shareholders with share repurchases under normal course issuer bid and completion of the substantial issuer bid we announced in late March. We expect to return the Cadillac plant into operation shortly, right in line with the nine months we said it would take last November. In July, we completed reconstruction, and we're currently in the process of commissioning the plant. Once it's back in service, we expect to close out property and business interruption claims with our insurers. Also in July, we completed replacement of the cooling tower at Williams Lake and are targeting returning the plant to operation by the beginning of September. Commercial update, as we previously announced, CalStock and Oxnard are now both contracted through December. We're working to see if new arrangements can be put in place for next year. We may have more to report next quarter. Page five of the presentation reviews our capital allocation initiatives for this year. As I've noted before, when the stock price sold off with the broader market in late March, we acted with speed and scale in launching a substantial issuer bid for our common shares, offering liquidity to those shareholders wishing to exit, and we believe accretion to intrinsic value for remaining shareholders. After completing the SIB, we continued to buy shares under the normal course issuer bid. Year to date through July, we have invested a total of 41.6 million to repurchase approximately 20 million of common shares at an average price of $2.04 a share. Let me interject here a thought from Ben Graham, uh, chapter eight, the famous chapter eight of the intelligent investor, where he talks about Mr. Market being a manic depressive and uh, sometimes the price uh, proposed by uh, Mr. Market is uh, quote, a little short of silly unquote. Well, that's where we believe we are today, and that's why we've been so aggressive in our share repurchases. So let me recap our securities repurchases since we began them in late 2015. We've allocated more than $80 million to common share repurchases, repurchasing approximately 37 million common shares at an average price of $2.15 per share. Cumulatively, this has reduced our shares outstanding by 27%. In addition, we have allocated more than 25 million US dollar equivalent to repurchase approximately 2.1 million preferred shares at an average discount to par of 37% and after tax cash yields of between 10 and 12%. Page six, turning to our five-year free cash flow outlook on page six, I've reviewed this before, so I won't cover the details again today. Let me note the four key takeaways from this slide. First, we expect to continue to delever during this period, repaying $423 million of debt, or more than 60% of total debt at the end of 2019. Second, we expect to have significant discretionary cash flow after the debt repayment of an estimated $115 million to $165 million. This is very meaningful, both in absolute terms 
and of course relative to our current market capitalization of approximately 178 million. Third, at our current stock prices, this translates to a free cash flow yield to our equity in the low to high teens. Fourth, our approach to allocating capital will be to assess the impact on our estimates of intrinsic value per share while balancing risk and reward. We invest externally only when we believe returns are superior to those we can achieve by investing internally or by repurchasing our own shares. At page six, we've laid out four capital allocation options. A, do nothing with the cash. That's unlikely, but would result in us becoming net debt neutral by 2025. B, common or preferred share repurchases. C, seek external growth investments that meet our return criteria. Our capacity to do acquisitions is bolstered by 120, 102 million, excuse me, of availability under the revolver. D, a combination of A, B, and C, uh, which seems to us to, to be the most likely scenario. Okay, so this morning the key takeaways are that we are expecting to generate excellent free cash flows over the next five years, and we've acted with speed and scale when attractive investments are available, such as asset acquisitions at prices providing a margin of safety, or when our shares trade at a significant discount to our estimates of intrinsic value per share, which is the case today. We'll now take your questions. Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your touchtone phone. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. At this time, we will pause momentarily to assemble our roster. The first question today comes from Adnan Wahid of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Thank you. Hi, good morning. I am uh, speaking on behalf of Rupert. My first question is on growth, which uh, seems to be an area of concern for investors. Um, are you seeing any developments in the market? Do you, do you think we could um, potentially see some M&A during the back half of the year? Uh, it's possible. Uh, so look at our, our modus operandi on investing is, is the Charlie Munger uh, sit on your rear investing, which is be very patient, build up cash, and when you see opportunities, move with speed and scale. And so we didn't do any asset acquisitions for about three years. And then over the course of uh, two years, we did five acquisitions for about $45 million, all of which had very attractive uh, returns. We love to do growth acquisitions. We've done a ton of them over the 40 years or so we've been in the business. Uh, uh, it's, always, it's always our discipline, though, to measure those returns versus what we can get from our own shares, which when they're deeply discounted, provide a, a implied return that's very high if you get back to your intrinsic value estimates. Uh, so that, that's, that's the way we do it. Uh, we, we did invest 45 million, which is a meaningful amount. We love that set of acquisitions. We'd do them again tomorrow if we could. Uh, we've been very active out looking at things, but very disciplined. 
Uh, we've looked at a lot of interesting things this year. We've looked at uh, one deal that could be company transforming, but we didn't pull the trigger on it. Uh, oftentimes when companies do company transforming acquisitions, they turn out to uh, transform you in the wrong direction. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing some good stuff. We've got the, uh, we've got the, uh, revolver uh, to use and, uh, uh, we, uh, uh, we're going to be very active between now and the end of the year. I, I don't know that we'll close anything before the end of the year. Uh, but we're always looking at, at projects. Does that answer your question? Understood. Um, are these acquisitions that you're looking at primarily in North America, or do they go beyond? Uh, yeah, we haven't really looked outside the. Well, you yeah, yeah we haven't looked outside North America. Uh, I've always had kind of a mantra, which is you never go outside North America. Although, in my last company, we we made a I think it was ten times return on investing in the UK because we had the right person and the right vehicle. Uh, but uh, yeah, for now we. You know, with 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 the revolver and our the level of our liquidity, uh, we're pretty small relative to to most companies that are public, and and so our universe is pretty wide, uh, and uh, we we probably demand a little more of a margin of safety to invest than uh, than a lot of the companies. When I when I see companies that say they've got a seven percent cost of capital and they're investing at nine percent, that strikes me as a bad deal. Uh, things go wrong with power plants. You have problems. Uh, there, there's, it's not a utility, so there's no way to recover uh, returns if you have an overrunning cost or you have a, a major maintenance issue. Uh, so we, we are always, you know, going back to Ben Graham and the intelligent investor, we're looking to buy with a margin of safety. Uh, it, it is obvious now that more and more utilities are, are going to a uh, – regulated uh, focus and looking to offload some of the unregulated assets. Uh, you know, some of the funds out there have held assets for a long time and they need to liquidity at some point. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're very active, uh, but, but we're also, uh, we'd love to do what we've done already again, uh, but we're not going to force it. Okay, great. Thank you. I'll jump back into the queue now. The next question today comes from Trevor Bryan of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, just a couple of questions. So uh, lumber prices have been very strong lately. Can you give some commentary on whether this has helped with the cost of availability for fuel for your biomass facilities? What did you say? The first part, what prices have been pretty strong lately, Trevor? Yeah, so lumber prices have been pretty strong lately. Has this helped with the availability for uh, fuel for your biomass facilities? Well, that, yeah, this is Joe. Thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we've noticed that, and um, that that certainly has helped our uh, our mill production uh, in in Ontario. But we have not seen really any immediate impact at all uh, in the in the Williams Lake area, which is our area of greatest concern. Uh, we think that's a great sign, and hopefully, it will lead to uh, some of the capacity in the area coming back online, which will provide us with, with additional amounts of fuel, but uh, we, we haven't seen any real uptick yet. Okay, great. And just uh, moving on to the grayling facility, 
Can you provide some additional color on the generator failure and uh, why the facility will be offline for the re remainder of the year? Is it mostly due to equipment lead time or are there other factors at play there? Sure, this is Nick Delotti. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's lead time. The, the generator stator needs to be rewound. So it's, it's lead time and timing on the work uh, that takes it out to, till the end of the year. Okay, and then just at the uh, Allendale and Dorchester biomass facilities. Um, so for the 2.6 million investments, what will that be used to purchase? And um, can you comment on the current mix of residuals you're burning right now and what you expect the mix will be going forward? So the, uh, this is Nick again. So with the, with the equipment, it's on the fuel side. So um, it's equipment to slow the equipment down to burn a different mix as well as um, to better process the fuel that we do have. Um, the mix right now isn't scheduled to change. I mean, we have our, our suppliers that we're using, but it'll give us more flexibility for the fuel coming in for a more complete burn. Okay, and just lastly on Cadillac, um, should we expect one last insurance payment in Q3? Hi, Trevor, this is Terry. Um, you know, the, the, the plant is currently being commissioned right now, so we're hopeful that um, we can finish everything off by the end of the third quarter. Um, you know, to date, um, through July, we've received about $28 million, and that's not allocated between property, plant, and equipment, and BI. Um, we're anticipating once the project is complete and up and operating, that um, we'll receive another approximately $10 million. That'd be business interruption uh, type insurance or proceeds. Um, and you know, we think that by September 30th, given where we are today, it'll all be wrapped up. Okay, great. That's uh, all my questions. I'll get back in the queue. Great, thank you. The next question today comes from Richard Lewis of White Stork Asset Management. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, I would just like to ask if you could elaborate a little bit on the positive and negative impact of a high inflationary environment on the company. Yeah, so uh, I think that would actually be terrific for us because, uh, you know, for the last 10 or 12 years, energy assets have been unpopular and uh we're a we're a micro cap energy you know contrarian value investor uh type company uh and and uh if if you get higher inflation then obviously things like uh, recontracting are probably going to be more valuable uh and uh certainly like hydro plants uh should do very well in that kind of an environment uh, and then, and then I would think sentiment towards energy shares generally would get better. Uh, and Buffett talked about that on his annual general or his uh, annual meeting call that uh, if we start seeing higher inflation, we might get more uh, uh, attractive uh, valuations in energy and real assets. And with the amount of uh, you know money that's been thrown in the system, uh, I see Jeremy Siegel thinking we might have three, four percent inflation next year. We've seen, uh, you know, gold prices picked up and uh, uh, oil prices are still, you know, low, but they've, they've certainly rebounded. 
power prices actually haven't been that bad. Uh, the most recent numbers I looked at look like we're recovering okay. Uh, so I think I think inflationary outlook and and a shift towards uh, energy assets and real assets and and and, a, and probably also a uh, a positive effect on our ability to recontract the power plants as PPAs roll away would all be good for us. So I don't I don't think there's any real negative uh, uh, aspects for inflation for us. One of our one of our smarter investors uh, reminds me that uh, uh, we should we should point out more often how well hedged the company is, and you know we're hedged against inflation by having commodity producers that uh, that uh, would be uh, merchant plants as we go, as we go forward, uh, and we have some already. Uh, we're well hedged on currency. We're well hedged on interest rates. We're well hedged on commodity uh, prices. Uh, uh, we're actually well hedged on taxes. The, uh, we have a large pool of NOLs. Uh, so anyhow, uh, it's it kind of trying to interpret what macro uh, uh, impacts there would be on the company. Uh, but my, my guess is it would be overall a pretty positive thing for us. Okay, thank you. And um, I have uh, one other question if you'll um, be able to do another substantial issuer bid this year? Uh, well, we ought to have the cash available by the end of the year to, to do another substantial issuer bid, you know, but we always, our, our investment philosophy is to rank order all our potential uses of capital and come in every day and, uh, and decide what's the best use of capital balancing risk and reward. Uh, We've been a very aggressive buyer of shares. Uh, I, I back four or five years ago, I mentioned that the uh, insiders had bought shares up to 315, and I think maybe even 320. And we all thought we were buying below, uh, you know, kind of the midpoint of, of of our base case intrinsic value, and that's still the case. And and and, and so you know, if you're buying shares at two bucks or lower. Uh, you, you've got a very good implied return. Uh, you know the price. The price is just low. It's it's low relative to our five-year trading range. It's it's low relative to the analyst estimates that we see that I've seen out there recently. It's low relative to our intrinsic value estimates. It's low relative to uh, uh, my best guess of what we could get in a private uh, market transaction. And, uh, and, and luckily for us uh, coming into this year, after all the work on debt and interest rates and, and overhead, we were able to move with speed and scale. And, uh, you know, there's no guarantees. Our intrinsic value estimates could be wrong, but the price right now is at, at the low end of any analyst estimates we see. It's, it's at the very low end of any intrinsic value you could come up with. And, and, and so it's really the best use of capital I can think of right now. Uh, the, uh, when I was doing a wind company back in 2001 through 2008, and uh, uh, I told the board that you have to be careful because this is not a great business for buy and hold. It's, it's, it's cyclical, it's capital intensive, it's commodity priced, and, and so generally you've got to be careful and try to be counter cyclical in your investments. And from 2001 to 2008, I said, however, I'm a raging bull, 
and give me all the money you got and let's put it into uh, wind plants. And it was kind of a, a give me all you got, Scotty moment. And from uh, 2015 through to today, it's been the same thing on our shares. I mean, I just, uh, you know, there's, there's no guarantees in life and, and it's all estimates and forecasts. Uh, but, but, you know, I can't think of a better use right now. Uh, and, 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 and over that period, insider ownerships come up from 1% to 4%. Uh, and uh, next year, we'll work with the board. We'll, we'll try to tie the executive comp more closely to the share price and just tie ourselves to the math of the share price because if we can't make money on the share price from here, then, then you know, we're just way off on, on what we think the future is going to hold in the energy markets. Uh, but, yeah, so that it'll, it'll be a strong look uh, between now and the end of the year. Uh, I would say almost for sure we'll buy some more under the NCIB, uh, but it's all the price dependent. So we're not one of these outfits that says, you know, we're going to put X amount of money into the market regardless. Uh, you know, as Buffett said at his annual general meeting, there's a lot of political nonsense around share buybacks. And I'm amazed at how much I see on share buybacks where they don't discuss price to value. And that's the preeminent concern, right? So we have estimates and, and, and they're not precise, they're ranges. We have estimates of value and, uh, and we compare the price to that. So at one price, we would issue shares. At another price, we'd say, well, we're not gonna issue shares and we're not gonna buy shares. At another price, we'd say we're gonna buy shares. And then at yet another price, we get very aggressive about buying shares. So, you know, this year we put 20 million shares. We, we, we canceled uh, putting over $40 million to work. Uh, so I hope uh, if, if the share price remains at this level, which I think is uh, the Graham kind of little short of silly, or maybe it's fully silly, uh, then we've got a lot of cash coming in. As I said, we got 115 to 165 million of cash flow, free cash flow on top of paying off, uh, you know, a boatload of debt the next five years and and at this price you know the market cap is 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 small relative to that amount of cash flow uh so we're going to use it we're laser focused on shareholder value and we're going to do whatever we can do to make sure we uh use that capital wisely and that uh, the current and remaining shareholders end up uh, uh being rewarded for the prices we were making this year at at 205. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. The next question today is a follow-up from Adnan Lahid of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Um, just a question on Williams Lake. I was wondering if you could give some color on the review process. How optimistic are you guys on the recontracting beyond Q4? Uh, which project are you referring to? I mean, Williams Lake has contracted out another nine plus years. Are you referring to Oxnard or Calstock? Sorry, yeah, Calstock, yeah. Oh, okay, great. Thank you. Um, well, you know, as we, as we reported uh, uh, last quarter, you know, the, the, the government issued a uh, – uh, provided us with a six-month extension to our current contract uh, to enable us – uh, and other stakeholders in the province, including multiple ministries, uh, the forestry sector, 
uh, to engage in a, re uh, a, a review process where we, where we would evaluate or the, the province would evaluate the, the need for uh, biomass generation to support the timber industry and to deal with, you know, specifically to deal with waste. Um, and uh, you know, that, that, that process is, is supposed to take uh, six months. Uh, that's what's allowed. It's, it's underway. Um, you know, as we've discussed before, you know, the current government in Ontario has drawn a red line in the sand regarding recontracting uh, in general uh, with, with IPPs. Uh, and so you know, for us to be successful at the end of the year in, in gaining a new uh, contract for the project, you know, we, would, we would need to be successful in making the case that biomass plants are different, that they should be compensated for the other benefit streams that they provide. You know, such as the, you know taking care of the no waste and general forest management, preventing forest fires. Uh, it is too early to tell that that process is underway. But um, you know, at this point, you know, we still view uh, the recontracting as a low probability uh, for no other reason than you know we we do need a, a change in government policy for that 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 recontracting to take place. Okay, understood. Um, that's all from me. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes our question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Jim Moore for any closing remarks. Okay, thank you. We appreciate your ownership and interest in the company. We look forward to updating you uh, on our progress as it unfolds. As always, we'll remain focused on building and protecting intrinsic value per share in your company as best we can with a long-term ownership orientation. Thank you for your interest and participation in the call, and we'll look forward to updating you on our progress uh, on our third quarter conference call. Thanks for joining. The conference has concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.